You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Merry Christmas. I should I Odelia, Odelia, Odelia. Could I borrow that for this? No, no I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. That was beautiful. And a reminder, we have brothers and sisters everywhere. And the Christmas story is being told in languages all over the world, different languages all over the world. Let's hope this doesn't go down during the time. Thank you, sir, very much. Don't you just love the Christmas story? I, I love it. I love hearing Luke 2, 1 through 20, any time of year. It does not matter. I love this story. It is particularly meaningful, though, when we hear it on the night that we celebrate God becoming flesh, Jesus being born to parents in difficult circumstances. We remember and celebrate the angels scaring the mess out of the shepherds. I mean, they scared them to death. Bert Wallace was pointing out recently how every time, the first thing angels say is fear not because people are about to fall over dead. We would too if we saw an angel uh, in all the celestial glory that God has given them. We, we remember also that these Unlikely people were the first to know that the Savior, Christ the Lord from the line of David, had been born. We cry out in our hearts with the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. We do our celebrating, by and large, though, from a posture of relative peace and prosperity until we are no longer peaceful or prosperous. Many of you have lost loved ones this year. Max Tudor was the most recent child to be lost to parents. He was the youngest, but two more of our families lost children this year. It's heart-wrenching and, and in, in many ways without explanation. When you stop and analyze the Christmas story, you should come to one of two conclusions. Either you really believe this story or you really don't. It should be that simple. Allison and I watched part of a show last night about the song Silent Night, Hugh Bonneville, who was the head dude in Downton Abbey. I can't remember who he was in, in Downton Abbey, the, the, the head of the manor. But he was talking about Silent Night all around the world. And over and over and over, over people started to say, or tried to say, well, you know what? This is a Christian song, but it really doesn't just belong to them. This is everybody's song. We're all one family 
But the angel said, peace to those among or with those among those with whom he is pleased. There are multiple unlikely elements in the Christmas story, but it doesn't strike one as an elaborate fairy tale. It is either the most remarkable, breathtakingly true story ever told, or it was an outrageous lie that a baby born to peasant parents was, in fact, our creator God entering our world to die for our sins. Sometimes when believers start to doubt, God is gracious to allow them to hear a powerful presentation of Jesus' birth, like we did tonight, even though we didn't understand. We knew what was being said, exactly what was being said. And sometimes those powerful presentations come in a simple account like the one read by Linus on a Charlie Brown Christmas. And I'm not kidding. That's a powerful rendering of the Christmas story. The components of this story are profoundly simple and the truth that it tells is just simply profound. It would be good for us to think about three simple truths that are evident in this text. Although you wouldn't call this a classic exposition of a biblical text. Three, three truths that believers know, but truths of which we constantly need to be reminded. Because the world has a way of whispering at times and shouting at times as it did on this show last night. It's a lie. It's a lie. Three truths, beginning with God is sovereign and God is good. Now, this is not meant to be a cheery retort to all of life's problems that makes everything okay. We know that all is not okay. We were in this building yesterday saying goodbye to Max Tudor, 18 years old, killed in a car crash this past week. Everything is not okay. So how do we process life? Maybe it's best that we start with eternity and work backwards. If I ask you to quote as much of Luke 2, 1 through 20 as you possibly could, you'd probably say, oh my. Uh, okay, but then you would start off. Uh, it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Now, if you said that, you would be quoting from the King James. That's the one that we're familiar with. That story that is so familiar. I know the younger ones, maybe not so much, but, but we older ones remember it from the King James. And it's beautiful, is it not? And while the King James Version begins with, and it came to pass in those days. Most of our modern translations simply say, in those days. And then they tell the story. And it came to pass. Hmm. Another way to say this might be, it so happened, or to the horror of English teachers everywhere, it just so happened, and then you tell the story. And then you find yourself saying, you know, that's an interesting coincidence. Allison and I had a conversation with a young man in New York City at about 2 a.m. one morning a few years ago because apparently that's when you have meaningful 
conversations in the city that never sleeps. And I was recalling to this gentleman how I had read how religious and secular are really not that far apart uh, and they're thinking, we feel like we're worlds apart. But ever since the Enlightenment, believers are tempted to self-reliance. I mean, honestly, when do you pray to the Lord when you're in? I mean, of course you cry out, help. But immediately, you're checking your phone. You're, you're getting resources, calling everybody to try to fix the problem that you have. And... Unbelievers or those who are secular consider themselves secular. Look at coincidences in life and say, wow, you know, there just seems to be more to life than meets the eye. And so we find ourselves in this middle space quite a bit. When I mentioned this to our friend that we were talking to, he said, yes, I agree. There are many coincidences that I can't explain, but I'm still an atheist. <laughs> I appreciated his honesty anyway. If Luke had said, and it came to pass only one time, then we might think he was waxing eloquent to introduce the most important story in the world, the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But he didn't stop with one such statement. He said it four times in Luke 2, in verses 1, 6, 13, and 15. And if you're looking in your Bibles to check it out, you can stop looking. The English translations, almost all of our modern ones don't say it at all. And it came to pass. Just said it happened. Or then. The King James says it in verse 15 this way as well as verse 1. But most just ignore it. Rest assured, though, the Greek affirms Luke's intent, and it came to pass. So did it just happen that all these events coalesced to create a great story surrounding the birth of the one who is undoubtedly the most influential person to ever live, ever, in all of history? Or was it just coincidence? Now you may think it came to pass means nothing more than it just so happens that everything lined up at the most unlikely time in history in the unlikeliest of ways for this peasant from Nowheresville, Israel to capture the imaginations of men and women throughout the ages. Maybe it did. It just happened. My intent is not to mock your position if you don't believe, but simply to say, I choose to believe. Why do some believe and some don't? I don't know. I just know that I believe. I keep using just, even though I was saying English teachers would be horrified. So if you teach English, apologies to you. Second, we cannot go to God, but he has come to us. We're told this in the most beautiful way in this story. This is the gospel message, and Luke 2 is the perfect presentation for the second Adam who comes from God to save us from our sins, which simply means we're not good enough to save ourselves. And, and, and it's not ourselves that we need to be worried about. Sometimes you hear people say, we need to save him from himself. No, we need to be saved 
from God's wrath. God needed to save us not from ourselves but from himself. We can't be good enough so the father sent his son to live the life we were incapable of living and die the death that we deserved. When you think about Jesus' crucifixion uh, on one Friday afternoon, think about the six hours that he spent, the agony of crucifixion itself. You might even think about the agony of the Father pouring out his wrath on Jesus and turning his face away from his beloved son. But have you ever thought about Jesus endured the wrath of God on that cross that day that was equal to me spending eternity in hell? What must it have been like? The gospel, everything about the gospel is counterintuitive. We all know that success comes from hard work. We get what we earn, right? Well, no, that's a little complex because we're told that we deserve everything. We deserve to be financially secure, to be respected and heard. We deserve a good night's sleep. We, we could go on all night. But no, we deserve to be separated from God for all eternity. And we cannot work our way back across the chasm that our sins have created that exists between our creator and we, his creatures. When you think about it, the Christmas story is splendidly in keeping with God's character and his sovereign ways, which are good and far better than we deserve. And this story is so simple. Yet so profound. That it's easy. To miss the meaning. If you are tech savvy. You have likely created a profile. That looks a lot better than. You in truth are. Or. You present your sins. So loudly that others. Hopefully will agree with your position. And you can affirm in your own heart and mind. That you're okay. I'm really okay because other people say that I am. And in doing so, we may fool others, but it's deep down, I think most of us know that we haven't fooled God. But we are not called to despair. We're called to this magnificent hope that is in the babe in Bethlehem. Although we cannot make ourselves acceptable to God, He has come to us, believe that Jesus died for you. Cry out to him for deliverance. He is ready to save you. What is, not, is required is not your good works or your best efforts or your impressive resume. He wants you simply to believe. Child of God, since you believed some years ago, what is expected of you as you Think about this beautiful story. How are you to embrace this story and make it your own yet again? It's the subject of our final point. The only meaningful life for the believer is a life of faith. There are so many times that the Christian life comes down to, is this the last straw? I mean, I don't understand how this has happened. And maybe... I'll just take a break or maybe I'll walk away. Or is it the time when we say time and again, like the Apostle Peter, to whom shall I go? You have the words of life. 
We began the Christian life by faith, and we are to live by faith. The righteous one will live by his faith, it says in Habakkuk 2.4, I think it is, and then repeated three times in the New Testament. The righteous are to live by faith. So we live by faith even when Herod decrees that all the male boys two years old and younger might be removed to forestall any notion that a king has risen that might dethrone him. We live by faith in the worst of times and in the best of times. And frankly, sometimes living by faith in the best of times is more difficult. The shepherds are our inspiration. They heard the word of the Lord as delivered by the angels. And they said, I don't know. I just don't. I don't know about it. No, I imagine that we would have been pretty impressed too if the angels had come to us. But they believed before they saw. They went and saw what the angels had decreed. They hurried to Bethlehem. And it was just as they had been told. This Life that we live is a life of faith. And this life of faith must be cultivated as the precious gift from the Father that it is. Sunday morning, we're going to pick up where we leave off here tonight. Thinking about how Mary treasured all these things up and pondered them in her heart. Now, by the way, Sunday morning, I, I want to add this. We will be live streaming, so if you give a testimony, just know that there are potentially 8 billion people in the world who may, well, not quite 8 billion, but it's close enough. I want to close this time by reading Luke 2, 8 through 14. I'll do my best not to read in Linus voice. This time from the King James Version. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, and they would have, we would have been too. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign to you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward men. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.